This is a Crib Room podcast. Bringing you industry news, views and happenings. The second part in our CME Surface Emergency Response Competition podcast is coming at you with this particular episode, episode B, we've dubbed it. And we are taking a look at some of the scenarios, how they played out as part of the competition recently held at the Norton Goldfields Paddington Operations. Now, in this particular part, we'll hear from Craig Neeson, actually in the car park, uh, just as he was taking in some of the different scenarios in the competition. And then we hear from Ian Flash-Gordon, now, he is the Emergency Response Coordinator for Norton Goldfields at the Paddington Operations. He's got some details for us on the firefighting scenario and talks us through that scenario as his team are actually underway under the conditions of the competition. And then, actually, he gets a little bit distracted in the last bit of our podcast because he's actually driving back from where that firefighting scenario was and he takes us just through some of his experiences with emergency response and mindsight rescue. It is some really great stuff and very open and honest from Ian. So we really appreciate the opportunity that Ian has given to us on this particular podcast. Right, this is episode B. Let's get it underway. And we hear from Craig Neeson, first of all, in the car park, just reviewing a little bit about he saw some of those scenarios take place, including the team skills scenario and a special moment for him as well. This is a Crib Room podcast. It is an amazing day. The last couple of days before the weekend were looking a little shady and it's turned out to be perfect for us. Um, look, so yeah, I've gone around and, and checked out a couple of the events this morning. I've been able to check out the hazmat event. I've been able to see the road crash rescue event. And I've been able to have a look at the team skills event, which is a little bit more of an abstract uh, event, uh, you know, based on a bit of leadership and communication. So can you tell us about some of those? Uh, Let's go with that one. You mentioned it's abstract because what is a team skills event normally? Yeah, it's it's whatever the event manager can dream up. Um, Look, the common themes year to year uh, that it involves um, the use of emergency response skills. However, not in a traditional context. You're not... Um, dealing with a fire, you're often not dealing with multiple casualties, you're often not disentangling a vehicle. Um, uh, however, you're using a lot of teamwork, a lot of communication, um, and, and you know, picture obstacle course, um, picture um, blindfolded, you know, building some kind of structure. Sure. Um, anything the event manager can think of to throw curly ones at the team and give them a real opportunity to demonstrate that not only does the captain know the strengths and weaknesses of each member, but each member can communicate everything back to the captain that that captain needs to know uh, and and pull together as a team and adapt and overcome. You touch on one thing there that is quite important in these scenarios, and that is communication. Now, whether that's internal communication as a team and knowing everyone's role and how that works as you get to the scenario, um, or whether that's the communication with those who are affected. Yes, correct. And then there's communication from the team back to operations and whatever's going on at that end. That's right, and there's look, there's and, and you're right, and uh, there's there's formal communication. There's um, um, there's some you know fairly regimented um, communication, but there's you know there's the informal stuff that is, you know, um, essentially maybe even just a code of practice within the team about the way they um, interact with one another. Um, uh, but essentially across the board, it really does um, test test the ability of the team to um, think outside the box. Uh, and and plug gaps for each other. If someone's uh, dropping the ball somewhere, someone will sweep in and pick it up without even you know, no, uh, missing a beat. You've got a special interest in the team skills because one of your former protégés or someone that you've worked with previously, and I think even he was a winner maybe last year, still is a winner, Nick Winner, 
Pardon the pun there. You could make them all day. Uh, but he has been taking control of that team skill scenario, mate. Are you pretty impressed with what he's delivered? Really happy with what Nick's delivered. Yeah, so look, Nick's, Nick's uh, one of our team captains. We've been developing for a couple of years. Um, and look, over the last couple of years, just an indication about the sorts of things that this guy's done. Um, he's moved from a, a senior operator role to a shift supervisor role. He's maintained his position within the moon, uh, mine rescue team. He's been uh, a team captain at a competition. He's um, he's led that team, you know, to, to win um, uh, several events and taken out the best captain award. Um, he's helped mentor um, some of our junior entry level um, mine rescue team members, uh, and he even um, gave up some of his time, you know, uh, the week lead up to the competition to to help sort of you know facilitate some training exercises. Uh, look, we found ourselves in a position at some fairly short notice where we needed an event manager for team skills, and Nick just put his hand up straight away. Um, he had an idea, he put the idea forward, everyone loved his idea. Uh, and so far, the really pleasing thing for Nick, uh, and this is common of all the event managers, so far, his event and all the events are running exactly as the event managers wanted them to. Wow, you know, yeah, because you don't really get that opportunity before the event to have a crack, do you? That's right, and that's something that Saturday morning really represents. It's an opportunity when we spoke the, um, the other day about teams um, blowing out the cobwebs. It's also an opportunity for the team, uh, the event team managers to really um, um, learn, is this vision I had going to be able to unfold the way I want it to? Have I created the right environment? Am I, you know, am I um, putting the right prompts in there? And so far, the feedback from all the event managers is the events are running the way they designed them to. It's fantastic to see. Mate, that's the team skills. Uh, what else have you managed to have a bit of a bow peep at on this Yeah, so we caught Saturday. up with the road crash rescue team. Sure. Um, Talk us through that scenario. Yeah, so uh, look, fantastic scenario. Um, multiple cars, multiple casualties. And this year, the, the road crash rescue exercise is combined with the multiple casualty first aid exercise. Uh, so look, this time around, there's, there's a couple of vehicles involved, but there's eight casualties involved. Um, so look, there's not only the, um, the the work to do with disentangling those vehicles, and as soon as you start putting hydraulic tools onto onto steel car sure, bodies, as you spoke about, yes, yeah, you're generating generating all sorts of stored energy hazards, and you've now got eight casualties to, to uh, manage. Plus, the, as a, from a team captain's perspective, you've also got um, the other five members in your team to manage. So that um, sounds like a very busy one. It's a, a very busy scenario. The event manager, um, Brody, is, is from the um, host mine. He is doing a fantastic job of pulling that, um, that scenario together. Again, it's working exactly the way he wants. And the thing that's really pleasing to see about that event is everything that he's got in that event, absolutely credible. You look at it exactly, if, funny you say that, because I was just driving up here towards the, the Paddington Gold Mine, and thanks again to Norton Goldfields for hosting. But uh, it is a, uh, a scenario that you could encounter a bit of a, after that Gidgey strike, you, you get, you know, you come around a bend and all of a sudden there could have been a car rollover and you've, you've seen one, two, three that are affected, you know. So I don't know what the scenario is, I haven't been out there yet myself. But, um, you know, it, the, the real life possibility and having that re created is just pretty vital for these sites isn't it? It is too and if you look at the environments that these people uh, live and work in, one of the common things that most of the Kalgoorlie teams have is that we not only respond to incidents on our site, that we also have, have moral obligations and sometimes formal arrangements um, with some of those um, local response agencies as well. Uh, so for example if an event were to happen uh, on the highway here, um, you know, within whatever radius of the, of the Paddington mine 
um, Ian Gordon and his team would absolutely be um, first people on scene and um, and responding and assisting uh, DFIS and St John Ambulance and WI Police in that regard. Lovely, mate. Yeah, it is great to see that collaboration that happens not just within the industry but with the external agencies. And yeah. you know, it happened up in the north. It happens here in the in the goldfields as well, when, yeah. and you know, right across the state. Hey, anything else that, you, that you've seen your sights on over the course of the last 24 hours, mate? Because I know you might have caught up with a few of the teams last night as well. Yeah, look, yeah, yeah, we did. Look, so as as predicted, there was lots of excitement last. Last night there was a little bit of um, a little bit of banter, um, but for the most part, the, the, what we saw in the room last night was a lot of camaraderie. Um, there's probably less camaraderie happening over at the team muster area now because it's game on. Um, but um, everyone's in a very light-hearted approach with one another. Uh, there's, you know, there's teams lending other teams equipment if there's been a malfunction or, or something left behind on site. Um, everything that we expect to see out of the competition, we're seeing it. Good on you, mate. You enjoy the next uh, this afternoon, obviously tomorrow, and then the big night tomorrow night. You're, you've got the big microphone. I think you're, you're capable. I, I think you're okay. Look, I'll, I, uh, I might take a few moments like these teams to blow out the cobwebs and get rid of the nerves, but I'm sure we'll be fine. Uh, we'll get a we'll get a couple of speeches in and we'll be off to the races. Good on you, Craig. We'll catch up with you post event. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Glenn. Name's Ian Gordon. I'm the ER coordinator, emergency response coordinator for Norton Goldfields Paddington. So this training ground's taken about 10 years to develop. Originally, it was just a flat piece of ground covered with a bit of silver sand and it had a, a burnt-out sea container and a few car wrecks. Um, my predecessor, his name uh, Brett Morrow, he started. He had a bit of a vision, started off, turned up. To what it is here today but we got a, a grader and we profiled the ground we've um, set it up so it drains into a line dam so that we can actually capture all the water that runs off here um, we've uh, covered it with stemming so that uh, it freely drains he sort of set up a, a working at height um, structure in a, a small smokehouse we've sort of built it from there so come a long way but we've sort of tried to keep his vision going Still got a, a fair bit to go. It's definitely come a long way, and it's a, it's a great asset to us. The intent is to make it available to um, you know adjacent mine sites, you know Evolution, Northern Star. They're all uh, mutual aid partners. You know everyone should be able to take advantage of. And having this structure on site as well, you can bring your teams out here almost whenever you like, really, to do some training. I think you've tried to organise a night training session as well. Was that? Yeah, we've, uh, we've done a few night sessions. Don't really want to talk about the uh, dinner I offered to put on for the guys when the Weber actually went out and the roast pork stayed cold. But, um, yeah, that cost me a few beers. But, yeah, we, we can sort of... The idea is to, to train here, you know, any time of day and night. We can't guarantee when we're going to get called out, so we, um, we try to uh, work on our, our emergency pre preparedness the best we can. Now, Ian, we're actually watching your team participate in the firefighting exercise at the moment. Uh, just tell us a little bit about this scenario. Righto, so basically this scenario, it's a, a structural fire. It's a combination of fires, actually, structural um, fuel fires. We have um, a series of, of tasks they have to complete. So we have to uh, extinguish a, a fuel tank that's on fire, which is on to the right-hand side of the, uh, the scenario. We have a series of... Um, there's a, a couple of gas cylinders behind a sea container here, which... Um, for those who can't see, uh, it's right here in front of us. Um, they've got to basically keep that cool until the, uh, the flame runs out. Then they have a structural fire which they also have to try and get under control before they gain entry into the, uh, the building, whereupon they've got to find a couple of casualties. When they find those casualties, they've got to retrieve them and um, perform uh, first aid on those. 
until such time as they can hand them over to an ambulance. I suppose it's a bit early to tell how your team's rated in the performance, but turnout so far, they were very quick into action and, and able to get some, some water out, first of all, and then some foam. They're doing all right. Um, this is actually the first time that these guys have seen the fire ground the way it is. Uh, this is a whole new build, I guess. Uh, it was finished probably yesterday, I think, we did the, the, the pre-burn on it. As far as having a home ground advantage, um, they're completely green on this, on this structure. So for what we're seeing, they're actually doing a pretty good job they're getting plenty of water around, cooling a heap of stuff. Um, they've actually they've got the fuel fire under control. I believe they've got the gas under control. So now we're just working on the structure. As we've seen that, the uh, the black smoke started to go up. Obviously, that's a bit more structure-like. The, the gas burns a bit cleaner, and so, so people need to be aware of it. Um, inside the structure, we have um, a series of non-treated timber pallets uh, and hay. And the, um, the hay is there for the, the smoke production. The smoke that we're seeing here at the moment is just from a fire that's just developed around behind the building. Um, so they've basically got to get this structure under control, get someone around the outside uh, to the back of the building, take that fire under control, and then um, obviously get in and try and locate those patients or casualties. And from the fire ground itself, you don't have a, a unit that's there straight away, but you do have some infrastructure. And obviously as your team gets here first before that, uh, that assistance gets underway just tell us a little bit about how crucial that time is for your team um right so basically i guess with any any sort of emergency response turnout time is 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 the key um we need to have, have a really quick or rapid turnout or rapid response um generally with mining um as a whole uh, most mine sites train their workforce in the use of fire extinguishers, first aid, that sort of thing. So in the instance of a, um, of a, of a fire or some sort of emergency on site, initially first responders can take care of it until such time as the emergency response team uh, uh, assembles and arrives on scene. The way we've got this set up here, we've got um, a fire ground which is probably one of the better fire grounds in the, um, in the, in the district, in the region. and. Um, it's taken us a while to develop that, but um, we've got a, a setup here where we can train both both structural fire, fuel fire, gas fire. We do uh, vehicle fires as well. Every now and then we can get uh, a road train in here and, and work on those. Um, we can train confined space rescue, hazmat, and uh, working at height or rope rescue. Um, I guess as far as emergency response goes, um, we tr have tried to set up our team so that um, they respond from Kalgoorlie, which unfortunately gives us uh, 20 minutes response time to any incident. And as we've seen here today with this uh, fire scenario, um, fires grow exponentially. So as you can see, you know, it doesn't, doesn't take long before a fire can get potentially out of control. So um, time is critical and um, we endeavour to make sure that our team members are are ready to respond and um, they can respond in the quickest or fastest time possible. You'll see here now that we're, um, we've got some guys getting into breathing apparatus. They're, um, they're going to probably gain entry shortly and start searching for those two casualties that are inside. Just tell us about your team uh, and, and the team that you've assembled for this comp. Um, so our team, the, the Paddington team, consists of you know 20 to 25 team members. They're all um, auxiliaries, they're not volunteers. They, um, it's, it's regarded, at Paddington we regard this as a second job uh, within the company. Um, team members, when they join the team, uh, we, we, we get
get them together in a training group and they, that training group stays uh, consistent throughout the course of their training uh, time, which is around about five months. They do a certificate two in emergency first response, which is a pre-hospital care qualification. Um, it's only entry level, but it actually sets our guys up um, as first responders quite well. Um, they also do a certificate three in mine emergency response, and that um, that covers off uh, basically the skill sets we're seeing here today. So firefighting, open circuit, a rope rescue vehicle uh, rescue, uh, confined space, and hazmat. This is all achieved within five months um, of them joining the team. And once um, when they join the team, they're a trainee. Once they uh, finish their their training period, they become uh, technicians and. Um, as long as they can show some promise, as either in a medical skill or with, with a rescue skill, they then get moved into a, a senior tech uh, type role. And then from that, we, we take the, the uh, team members that um, show good leadership skills and we, we turn them into team leaders. Um, so our training's very structured, our team's very structured, and um, there's a lot of expectation for these guys. And um, I'm glad to say that the sort of culture we've built within the team um, is, is actually a very positive culture. We have a 50-50 uh, split between male and female, and um, it's very calm, very controlled, very um, professional uh, team of uh, people that we have here. Ian, I'll let you keep watching your team. The flames have subsided, uh, or there's a few at the back there that they've still got to concentrate on, but I'll let you keep analysing them and we'll catch up on our way back to the, uh, to the main head office. Yeah, no worries. So, Ian, tell us about your journey about getting into mine emergency response. Um, okay, I've been doing this maybe, I think it's about 29 years now, 28, 29 years. I started mid-90s back in the Western Mining days in Cambalda. That was about 95, 96, somewhere around there. We um, we had a tendency back in those days, things weren't as safe as they are now, so we had a tendency to uh, have mine emergencies on a, a semi-regular basis. Um, unfortunately, you know, I sort of cut my teeth in this job back when there were a lot of fatalities, especially in the Cambalda area. Um, and when there weren't fatalities, there were quite a lot of uh, fairly significant injuries. So I've sort of, I've gravitated to the pre-hospital care side of mine rescue, as a lot of people just stick with rescue. Um, I guess it's all about these guys, <coughs> excuse me, these guys who go to work. Um, most people go to work every day. They very rarely uh, do they actually ever think that they're not going to make it home at the end of the day. And so, you know, we, we'd go to work, you'd get a phone call and um, you end up you're turning out to someone who's been in a rock fall or an explosion or something like that. And then obviously, you know, we've got to pick up the pieces, uh, pardon the pun, and, um, you know, do what's right for their family. So I've learned very early on um, the value of what, what we do and the skill set that we, we possess and um, I guess the safety has improved over the years. The need for that has become less and less, but unfortunately, you know, as last year has proven, it's still, um, it's still quite a realistic thing. We've had teams in Cambalda still attend fatalities. There was teams in the Pilbara attending a fatality. Um, and, you know, every week, the Kalgoorlie Hospital sees someone from a mine site turning up with some sort of injury. So, 
the value of what we, we do and, the, and what we actually give um, back to the companies that we work for um, and the families and the, and the people that, that, uh, that work here. Um, there's a lot of value and I think these days it's very easy to lose sight of that. And um, So what's keeping me going is the, um, um, the idea that I'm hoping that the people that come through my team um, I can install some of that uh, value and, and, and uh, dedication and, and sort of, you know, focus um, on the job. And that's, you know, that's, that's pretty important. Um, we all know, we all want to make, make ounces. We all want to, want to produce. And, um, but at the same time, you know, our wives and kids want us to come home. Ian, what sort of, do I say the word burden, I guess, but what sort of things do you carry, like, from that point of view because really you are you're not these first responders who are on the day-to-day tools for instance the DFES or the St John Ambulance you you're people who go about your job on a mine site there must be a bit of a toll that that takes on you personally yeah there is a toll um I actually think the DFES guys and the St John's guys and the Waypole guys they all bear the same toll they carry it we Yeah, we. When I was a young fella, so mid twenties, late twenties, I um, I used to bury it with a whole heap of sort of bravado. Um, you know, it's our job. Uh, we're trained to do this. And, and when you go into um, a major incident and you you actually you do your job well, um, it is it's 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 quite ego building. Um, but you don't realise at the time that while you're building an ego you're sort of still taking I guess you're, you're still carrying it, you're picking up baggage and it's not until you get later on in life that baggage starts to sort of break loose come to the surface. Is that important that these team members who go through this scenario whether it's this year next year five years ago ten years ago that they they're aware of that sort of impact that that could happen to to them as well? Yeah look it's it's if you stay if you do mine rescue long enough um, you're going to you're going to come across this um, and I guess where the the guys in the in the state services uh, maybe differ is that without sort of diminishing what they do because you know they do a marvelous job um, a lot of times that the, the people that they go to and the, and the situations that's they they can distance themselves from it because it's not their families, it's not their friends, it's not their colleagues most of the time. Um, but what happens here with Mine Rescue is that, especially on a small mine site, the people that you're helping or the people you're being called out to are... Um, they're, your, they're your workmates, they're your colleagues. And you're... Um, you know, yesterday you were in the crib room having a laugh, you know, pulling the piss out of each other and um, now today you're going down the decline because you know rocks falling on them I think the burden here is a, a lot closer to home you know when it when it comes down to what we do I think we need to um, we need to look at our, our team members and um, understand that when when they do um, become exposed to these sort of things I think our companies need to make sure that they have quite robust systems in place to actually help them through it. Um, unfortunately, you know, when I started, we had quite robust systems, but, you know, me personally, we probably, I don't think I took advantage of it properly. 
we always had a whinge to the critical incident stress debriefers. We'd, we'd whinge about our pay conditions, our, our what HR is doing, all that sort of stuff. You know, what's what's our general beef with the company? But we'd never actually really address what we were um, what we'd been exposed to, and that that comes out later on. The take-home from from what I've experienced is that, yeah, companies need to support their teams. And events like this through the CME and through through what gets put together, whether it's underground or surface, this helps obviously deal with not only the scenarios, but also um, helps people more aware to what their actual role is really, doesn't it? Yeah, it sort of, it raises awareness and that's that's why these, these, these competitions are important and that's, and that's why they should, should go ahead. Um, having competitions that run on actual working mine sites as opposed to um, you know other venues. I know different states do different sorts of competitions, but um, having a competition in in the actual workplace where you, you you're exposed to that environment also drives it home as well, and that's that's important. These guys, like I said earlier, these guys might go five six years doing mine rescue, maybe ten or bloody twenty years, you know, and hopefully they're never actually exposed to any major incidents you know it, it, it's always just a competition in that that one-off occasion you know where maybe you know they go to work tomorrow and i guess shit hits the fan the training that they do to um come into these competitions hopefully that'll kick in and um carry them through what would normally be a very very stressful event Mate, good luck to your team for the rest of the competition and thanks for sharing your experience with us. Yeah, no worries, mate. Thanks a lot. This is a Crib Room podcast. Thanks again to Ian Gordon and also Craig Neeson. And Craig, believe it or not, features in our final part of the series coming up for you as well. Plus, Reuben Campbell is back. We'll have the winners and also the sponsors to take care of as well in that last episode. But here is Reuben giving us a bit of a rundown of the confined space scenario. You can hear more about all of the scenarios coming up in episode three. Now, the confined space, um, that one uh, was actually based on a real-life event that had occurred a number of years ago, Um, and the event essentially, a couple of workers were working inside the mill conducting reline works, which is a very standard procedure throughout industry. Um, Obviously, as they wear out, you've got to repair them. Um, And during works, one of the liners, which is heavy steel plate, Mm. has uh, come away and landed on a worker. You'll hear more coming up in the final instalment of our podcast series very, very soon. Subscribe to ensure you get it first via the Crib Room podcast. The Crib Room series of podcasts are produced by Industry Link Media. Subscribe to podcasts via your audio platform and via industrylinkmedia.com.